Welcome to the Recruiter Abroad podcast. My name's Dulta Doherty, and in this podcast series, we will be bringing to life the amazing stories of recruiters who have emigrated abroad around the world. I'm really excited to be bringing you today's episode with Dara Everard. Dara is the country manager for the Anderson Partnership, and he's been in recruitment for almost 10 years now. I first met Dara when I started off in recruitment with Robert Walters in 2011. His career has gone from strength to strength. He's recently moved back home to launch the Anderson Partnership in Dublin. And I think you'll find his story fascinating. Good evening, Dara. How are you? How are you? Not too bad. Good to get a chance to speak to you this evening. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me, Sam. So uh, I give everybody a quick intro into your background, and and we're just going to elaborate on that today and your experiences of uh, working abroad. And can I bring you right back to the start when you got into agency recruitment? How how did that come about? Sure. So um. Like most people, I really just fell into recruitment. I had um, just finished university. I did a, a business and law degree. I wasn't entirely convinced um, that I wanted to go into law after studying it. And uh, I really just had a passion for traveling. Having studied for so long and got a chance to travel throughout the summers that I really wanted to spend some time outside of Ireland and you know potentially have a career outside the country. So a friend of mine at the time had joined a recruitment agency and he told me about it and how you could dictate your own income. And I decided that was something that I might uh, I might give a shot to. So you were told you could make a hundred grand in your first year. <laughs> he he wasn't hiring me, so he didn't quite say that. But <laughs> I got a bit more of a realistic version from him. But he kind of gave me a warts and all story of it of how you know you'll be dealing with people all day. There's pressure. There's targets. But at the same time, if you work hard, you you know you, there's a good chance you'll you'll be able to save up and go traveling sooner than you would do if you took on something else. So you're studying law and business at a top university in Ireland, and how, how did how did your folks uh, react when you said, "Look, I'm not going to be a lawyer, not going to be an accountant. This is this is the route I think I'm going to take." Uh, there was a mixture of feelings. I think there was a there was a sigh followed by, a, "You know, we'll we'll support you in what you want to do." Type five. Um, you know, my dad's always worked in sales and managed to set up his own business from doing that. So um, he he certainly didn't have a problem with it. And you know, from my side, I always just explained for me it was just a temporary role to to save up some money and go traveling. So I think the fact that they didn't have to support me in that, having put me through college for four years, was a plus to them. How many years ago was that now? That's 10 years ago. <laughs> eight, 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 eight and a half of which have been spent in recruitment. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you start off in Dublin, and it's boom time, isn't it? It's, uh, it, it's, it's a 2000 and... What year? What year was it? What was the market like then? So that would have been around two thousand and seven, eight. Um, the market was really, really strong. Like, I mean, we were taken in on on a base as a graduate of thirty two thousand a year plus benefits plus commission. You know, some people even, are still paying that. Yeah, like I mean, even now, I would say the average, the average base that graduates are starting off on is probably eight to ten k lower than that in the marketplace, but it was really indicative of what the market was doing. And I joined a small family run recruitment firm and that, I, you know, at the time when I joined, there was 12 people a year later, there was 63 of us. 
Um, 63 of us went to Barcelona on an incentive trip in March 2008. By October, there was 12 of us left and the company had shut down. So that was, yeah, so that was really indicative of what was happening at the time. So you really proved uh, proved your mum wrong there with uh, with with a good career in recruitment at that stage. Yeah, yeah. It was an, it was an interesting time because, like I mean, the market was so candidate short. Everyone was hiring. Every company was expanding quickly. And the, the firm I joined were financial services recruitment firm. So we were very very heavily reliant on what was going on in the IFSC. And you know, Lehman Brothers went bust in I think August, and we went bust in October. Wow. But to go but to go from sixty three to twelve in six months was was quite an experience. Like at one stage, it was you had to make 40 BD calls a day to, to keep your job. And it was really, really relentless. And I remember when they, when they let us all go, I, I actually went back into the, into the business owner the next day and said, I'll actually I'll, I'll work with no base, <clears throat> but you'd have to give me 50% of everything I bring in. And he said, no, he said, we can't even afford that. We're, we're gone in a couple of months. Wow. And so pastures green, was it? What, uh, what was your next step? What was your, what was your thought process? Well, my thought process had been largely dictated by the fact that the main purpose of taking on the job was to save up as much money and go traveling. And with my, you know, classic first job, I saved absolutely nothing. So um, I had to get a job with my dad doing door-to-door sales for a year um, to really save up the money and go traveling. And that was, that was my punishment for not saving, you know, mm. traveling around in, in recession-ridden Ireland, knocking door-to-door um, Selling printing was not was not easy. It was definitely a lot harder than recruitment was, but I learned a lot from that. Wow! So, uh, so, so you eventually got a few pounds together, and yeah. what was next? Where, like, where, where did you go? How did you make that happen? Sure. So, I spent a couple of months traveling around India. Um, I then got a job in China teaching English for six months. Um, very interesting experience. Then traveled again for three months around Southeast Asia, and then uh, moved to Perth, Western Australia where the plan was to stay for sort of six months or so, but I ended up being almost five years there. Wow. And again, what, what, was, what was that like? Can you, can you explain what the, what the city was like, what the market was like, what it, what it felt like yeah, being a young guy over there at the time? It was, it was such a shock because ha- having come from Ireland where, you know, the main theme was negativity, um, you know, the, the unemployment rate was rising rapidly. I think it was almost three times what it was when I left a year later. Um, and, you know, you moved to Perth. And I, I, at the time, we had uh, a policy called LAFA, which was a living away from home allowance, where the government was actually paying us about $1,000 a month tax-free to pay for our rent because the economy was in such need of, of an influx of labor. You know, there was a commodities boom at the time. Uh, there was lots of investment. The Australian economy is extremely well run. Um, it had been well structured through the GFC. It had been much more highly regulated than, than we were here. So, you know, they, they did feel something, but they didn't feel it as much as we did. So, you know, to go from, you know, grey, dreary Ireland where everyone's complaining to Australia, particularly Western Australia, where it's 10 months of sunshine a year, everyone's employed who wants to work. You know, people are leaving jobs without wanting to go to, which I was always told in recruitment is a really red flag. Mm. But, it was, you know, it was the norm over there. And, and it, was, it was a really great experience because at the time, so many people from Ireland had moved over there and working holiday visas that there was, there was a great bubble of, you know, an expat community of people in their mid-20s who were, you know, really let off the leash. A lot of them highly educated, certainly all very, very willing to work. Um, so Having was, to work for a visa, a lot of them as well. 
Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and you know, that's something that the recruitment industry relied a lot on. I, I would say throughout my time there, easily 80% of the people I worked with were, were from the UK and Ireland. And what was it? What was the general lifestyle like at the weekends? Did, did you have time Were you working all the weekend as well? Or did you find that you had some free time? Did you did you did you take part in expat sports? What 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 was your kind of way to, you know, relax a little bit? Yeah, so that it, that really took me about 12 months to get into. I think for the first 12 months that I was there, I was I was very keen to make sure firstly that I would be sponsored by the company I worked with, um, which you really had to prove to them over the course of your first six months that you're worthy of. So I made sure I did that. And that did involve some weekend work, certainly involved a lot of late nights. And, you know, six months isn't a huge amount of time to deliver in a market that you don't know anyone in. And I was always told when I came there that, you know, my biggest challenge was going to be if, if, if someone wants to hire or if someone wants to move jobs, you have to be the first person they think of. So if you arrive in the city where no one knows you, to make sure that you've got enough people who know you quickly means you've got to put in the hours straight away. But aside from that, <clears throat> you know, once, once work settled down a little bit, and I got a bit more proactive um, with trying to make friends and, and expand my network. Yeah, sport was a huge part of that. I joined a football team, which, again, was you know, largely expat-based. I think that was one of the best things I did. I think making sure you expand your network beyond your, beyond your colleagues in the workplace is a big one as well because recruitment framework who's working in the industry knows it can be very, very insular and very, very sort of... Um, mentally draining on those that are in it sometimes i think multiply that by a hundred yeah and you've got the you've got the expat experience because people can't go home to the family friends they can't just call up their their other bent bunch of mates in many cases and you, you almost end up becoming a family with a lot of the a lot of the, the people that you're working with is that, a, is that a similar experience for yourself yeah i think so like i mean yeah i think you develop friendships a lot quicker because there is that lack of family support. There is that lack of friends you've known for a long time. And people are really forced to, they're forced to come out of the shell. They're forced to find people to spend time with. Um, but you do, you develop really, really close relationships over that time. And so your first year there, um, <clears throat> financially, you were kind of blessed in terms of like the LAFA and maybe a good base salary and the market was good. So the timing of the move to the place and everything it all it all seemed to work out for you was was there was there any frustrations uh, in, that that you had with 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 maybe the place or you know or, or any any of the circumstances um i think potentially yeah i think and, and 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 you know if i look back on that time if i if i was to have any regrets it probably was sometimes focusing on those frustrations too much i think i think when you arrive to a place where like I said, there's 10 months of sunshine a year. You know, you can play as much sport as you want. It's, you know, there's people from all over the world all around you. You know, sometimes we would sort of focus on certain things that weren't available to us. You know, mm. Perth's a small place. It's isolated. Um, you know, the nightlife is not what you would get in a, in a Sydney or Melbourne or Hong Kong. But I think it's really, really key to just focus on those positives when you are in those places and surround yourself with people who do focus on those positives and anyone who you know, feels that they are there under duress. And I certainly did sometimes, particularly once you get a job and you get sponsored and you develop a network, you start to feel, you know, maybe I am stuck here a little bit. But I think the sooner you realize you're not, the sooner you realize you can move whenever you want. And if, you, if you're going to stay there and you're going to have a career there, you better make the most of it. I mm. think the better. And how, how did you deal with being away from family did, did, and, and friends at home? Did you find that you were able to keep in touch or, or how, how did that, how did, 
you know, you're from quite a big family and you're all quite close. How, how did you manage that part of the relocation? I was, uh, <clears throat> I was blessed in some sense um, that two of my best friends moved over at the same time. And then a, uh, and a number of friends of theirs or families, I say family members that they had moved over as well. So I think at one stage there was, you know, there was almost 10 of us from, from my small area there, um, which certainly softened the blow. Um, I managed to make it back, I think, maybe four times in the, in the five years I was there. Um, so that was a big part of it. I think one time I left it for too long. I left it for two years, which was, was definitely too long because I think what that does is that gives you, you know, almost a, a rose-tinted view of what's happening at home because you go home at Christmas. And that's typically when most expats go home. Mm. And what you'll find is that everyone's around the house. Yeah. You know, all your friends are around. Anyone who's away is around as well. Like at the time, for my friendship group, I would say easily 60 to 70% of my my close friends were abroad where we'd always try and get home at Christmas. And, you know, you get home for two weeks and it's no one's working. There's, there's food everywhere. There's someone to meet every night. And then you leave and you think, oh, God, I really miss that place. But it, um, it, 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 you know, it takes some time to realize, okay, th- it, not everything's like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I can relate to that as well. And so, so you had a, everything, everything worked out in terms of, you know, you, you interviewed around town when you, when you started, you, you ended up choosing one of the, the larger players. Um, your career did okay within there. And then you made a call to, to join a high growth company. How did that come about? <laughs> Yeah, so so when I first arrived in Perth, because I had recruitment experience, and the market was so busy, which was, were... which was unique back then, because people people were just coming in <coughs> off the streets, really. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and uh, you know anyone who works in the industry knows it, it. It it's not a job that you require experience for, particularly when you go to a new market, because you know one of the key assets you have as a recruiter is your network, and I didn't have a network there, so you, you know I, I had a skill set for sure, but I didn't have you know. I didn't have what you might have if I was coming straight from a competitor, but at the same time, I had a competitive advantage over easily 90% of the people going into recruitment in the sense I'd done the job before. Um, And that didn't give me a huge advantage in terms of my ability to build because it only takes three to six months to understand the job. But I think because I had recruitment experience, I knew what to expect. And I think that was a huge thing. I think that's a, that's a huge thing that, Mm. that really, you know, is a stumbling block for people before they go into it. They don't fully understand the ups and downs there, but <clears throat> I got quite fortunate. I, I joined uh, Robert Walters, huge multinational business, was very, very fortunate to join them and be surrounded by some really, really good uh, recruitment professionals at, at the time. Um, I, I had a new boss come in within my first six months there. Uh, he was exceptional. He, he became a mentor to me. I worked with him for, for quite a long time. And then he was approached to establish uh, my current employer of the Anderson Partnerships office in Perth. Um, and I followed him across probably about six months later when, when I figured that, you know, when he, when he moved on and I'd always learned from him and, and, and he was key to my development, that my development had been stunted somewhat. So um, when the opportunity presented itself to join him, I felt it was something that it was, it was a really tough decision. And it was one that took me a while to figure out because I had to write down what all my key priorities were. And, and this is something I would encourage anyone who's doing, who's, who's thinking about making a move is writing down what was really key to me. And at the time it was, you know, career development, it was learning, it was income, it was international opportunities. And the company that he joined, that I still work for now, was backed by some really, really successful recruitment professionals who had the experience and the resources to, to set up offices and, and make them work. So I was keen to find out how they did that. 
Yeah. Okay. When I'm when I'm kind of talking to to recruiters about about opportunities, I do find myself encouraging them more and more to go for high growth companies, and by that I mean companies that aren't they don't have everybody in the seat already. They've got money to expand, and they're they're in a niche marketplace. And if if we look at if we look at your <clears throat> rapid growth in your career. Would you say that was down to timing, hard work, a mixture, a mixture of both, or how 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 would you how would you attribute that? Yeah, I think it's, I think there's a few factors. I think one is one is you have to take the chance at the right time, um, and I think another thing is you have to be surrounded by the right people. Like I was quite fortunate. It was one of the reasons why I felt comfortable making the move was that I I I, I knew I was working with people who had done this before, who had set up multiple offices, who'd made them successful and who had developed people's careers from, you know, consultant to director level. And once I saw that they had the capability to do that and I knew that I would put in the effort myself and the resources were there financially to do that, then I was really, I was really comfortable making the move. Um, but it was, it was certainly a lot of hard work. And the market, the market took a dip then and uh, you're probably one of the only people who'd experienced a recession before would would you would you compare what the what the iron ore price going down was like to the to the great recession did it feel like that or did it just feel like a poor man's recession yeah i think i think you're right i think it was a poor man's recession i think you know it was a message that we kept trying to transmit to the to the market when we when we set up because Recruiters were so negative at the time, and you know, un- you know, unemployment in Australia was still hovering around the six percent mark, which for us here in Europe was was incredible. But what had happened was we had a marketplace full of recruiters who were just so used to things being so easy that they'd never experienced anything like this. And what was happening was they were feeding this negativity back to candidates and clients, who were then starting to absorb that and starting to put the put the the brakes on their own plans. So we made a real conscious effort to just say, look, this is just a normal job market. It is hard to find a job for some people. It is hard to find certain skill sets. That's the way it should be. It, it, it shouldn't be as easy as you pick up a job in every meeting and you put up an ad and candidates will come through. That's, that, that, that's not the way a normal employment market works. So you, you have tremendous success over the next couple of years with the Anderson Partnership. You get promotion after promotion. And one day, the owner of the company comes to you and says, I want to open up an office in Dublin. Do you want to go home? You're there in Australia. The sun's shining. You're making good money. You've got a football team. You've got friends outside outside of it. Everything's going well. You've got an Australian girlfriend. And what what goes through your head? How, how hard was that decision to make to to move back home? And uh, yeah, walk us through that. <clears throat> sure. So that was a really difficult decision. I, I, like at the time, um, <clears throat> I came in to set up a new desk. Uh, from scratch a year later um, that desk was four people I then was promoted to associate director so you know I was effectively running two teams uh, within nine months I think my director who I'd followed had been promoted to um, an MD role in Sydney and he'd asked me to run the office so you know I'd, I was sitting there 29 running an office of 15 people in Perth and like you said I had you know almost five years of a network set up there my my girlfriend's from there, my football team, my friends and everything were there. And my initial reaction was no, that I really wanted to, to, to run that office in Perth as best I could um, and enjoy my life there. But at the same time, there was, there was this kind of nagging feeling that I, I, I don't think 
I would ever get a better opportunity to come home. And five years almost becomes that tipping point where you decide, okay, I'm going to stay here forever or I'm, or I'm going to go home. And I thought there, there wasn't going to be a better opportunity for me. And, you know, I've always thought, particularly in the early stages of my career, I wasn't really too sure if I really wanted to stay in recruitment forever. So hence why I wanted to have a shot at setting up a desk. And I thought, okay, if I can set up a desk and that goes well, I'll, I'll stick at this for a while. If not, I'll go off and do something else. And that went well. And this was kind of something for me that I thought, right, this is as big a challenge as I can get at, at, at my age. Again, you know, having worked with the guys for three years, I, I again had renewed confidence in, in the business model. I had renewed confidence in them, renewed confidence in myself actually as well. And I just felt if I saw someone else do it, I'd, I'd regret it for a long time. Okay, brilliant. So you, you move home. How was how that experience? Like I've, I've heard people saying it's kind of tough to, to get a bank account. Obviously, you had a job already. Uh, it's tough to get like, you know, a place to live in Dublin right now. Um, what, what were the challenges, both personally, professionally, that uh, what surprised you? I guess what surprised me in a, in a positive sense was the, was the economy at the time. Uh, people were a lot more positive when I came back. Um, like I came back, it's almost three years ago now, and people were a lot more positive. Okay? People wanted to hire. People wanted to move job. People were actually getting into recruitment. Um, so that, that was a pleasant surprise. I think what surprised me from a personal sense was, was how my friendship group had developed. Like I left Ireland at uh, 24 came back at 30 and you know your friendship group develops a lot at that point you know we uh, I, I used to know a, a bar that I could go to where some of my best friends are going to be every Friday night and that and that didn't exist anymore and, and that was a tough thing to leave behind because again in Perth I had you know two or three bars I could go to on a Friday night and I know I, I, I knew I could walk in and know people and, and I came back and I didn't know where anyone was anymore some of my friends had left some had gotten engaged some had kids some had moved abroad some have moved uh, locally as well so it was really the fact that I had to be so much more proactive with my friend group was the was the biggest shock okay and uh so so you're setting up you're setting up an office in uh in in dublin what 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 was the challenges like that that you faced in dublin compared to perth uh, from a business perspective so it's interesting like i mean i once you get over the shock, and the, and the shock was, you know, leaving an established office, team of 15, making money every month, really, like really, really good, strong management group, really exciting consultants moving up the curve. There are people going from consultant to senior to manager and careers developing to, you know, all of a sudden it's me in a room by myself with a laptop on a phone. And luckily I have, you know, a lot of support from the guys in Australia and our database is globally integrated. So, you know, we did, we did a large group of Irish expat professionals who at the time were making similar moves to myself. So that was really all we had. So I guess the biggest challenge for me was how do I find a competitive advantage against, you know, Sigmar, CPL, Hayes, who've been here for 10, 15, 20 years plus. After you get through all the logistics of finding an accountant, finding a lawyer, setting up a bank account, getting a license, finding an office, trying to find staff, sell your story. But, you know, looking back, that, that first six to 12 months were definitely the most hard work, but definitely the most exciting part of it. It's a, it's a pretty rewarding experience once you set up something that you've created yourself, I'm sure. Yeah, it really is. And, like, I can't, I can't say it was just myself because, obviously, you've got a really strong brand name behind me. Like, I mean, there's 10 other offices and, you know, we've, we've lots of support. But, you know, going from, like I said, being in an office to, 
um, where it's just a laptop and a phone to to sitting in front of 12 people and, you know, we're making money every month and, you know, the phone's ringing. Like, I mean, I remember that was a big thing that we that we started to notice was, geez, the phone's, the phone's actually ringing now. <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, the, the, the fun ha- part. Happy that it's ringing. Yeah, like, I mean, I, and I say that to the guys here, I was like, you know, don't take, don't take it for granted the phone rings. Like, I mean, I spent two months in an office by myself where the phone didn't ring before, before I had people to join me. So, you know, it, it was really fun because there's always milestones. When you set up an office, there's always milestones for the first couple of years. There's, you know, there's a record month, record amount of temps, record fee, you know, your first interview, record headcounts. And it's really important to try and acknowledge all those and, you know, enjoy them. So you started 10 years ago. You've worked for three brands. Is that correct? Yeah. In, uh, in, in four different offices, you must have come across a lot of talent. Uh, what, what, what would you say are the, are the character traits that, uh, that distinguish like good recruiters and, and really great ones? Sure. Yeah. So I've been, I've been really fortunate. I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of really, really strong recruiters. I think there's a, there's a few key elements that, that make the really great ones. I think the first thing is that the job suits them. And I think that's something that, if you're in a hiring position, you really have to be honest with yourself and that potential recruiter about you really have to park the fact that you think they might be able to do the job and really try and understand whether the job actually suits them. Is, is recruitment a career that suits them? That's the first thing. The job really suited the people. Second thing is they were much mentally tougher than others. Um, you know, if you're on a commission model like ours, where, you know, once you pass your threshold, you're making a third of every fee. If you're working on a 20,000 euro fee and you've already spent, you know, that six and a half or so grand and you get a phone call to say that person's now not starting, it's the mental toughness to just go for coffee, come back in, pick up the phone and fix that job. Mm. Um, and I think the last thing is just the ability to, the ability to be honest with yourself. If, you know, it does, does money motivate you? Do you like dealing with people? Can you deal with rejection? So I think if you're honest with yourself, you work hard and you're resilient, that's what the best people have. And can you, can you spot that from a graduate if you were to interview them? No, I'd love to say I could. I can't. No, I'd, no, I'd, love, to, I'd, I'd love to say I could. And the frustrating thing is they can't spot it in themselves either. Mm. Um, and people will, people will lie to themselves. People will lie to interviewers, you know, you really have to be honest with yourself. You really have to work out what the job can offer you. The job can offer you a fun, varied day, a good, strong level of income, quick career progression. And if you're not willing to work hard for those things, then you know, you're, you're better off doing something that would be a lot less stressful for you. If you could do your journey over again, what advice would you give your younger self? It's a good one. I'm happy with the choices I made, definitely. I'm happy with the choices I made. I think taking the chance on, a, on what was a startup office in a growing brand was the best decision I ever made. I think, I think if you really, really want to know whether the job's going to suit you, I think you really have to test yourself. Um, and I think doing a startup desk is a good way of doing that. But I would do that in an educated manner. You know, this company starting up every day, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the right, that's the right one for you. I think another piece of advice I'd probably give myself is not, not to, fo- not, not to get carried away when things are great. You know, don't beat yourself up when things are going down. Just, co- just constantly concentrate on the outputs. You know, o- only consider what you think you can change within a particular day. Focus on that and then go home and forget about it. And 
you know, do something active, go spend some time with friends, get, get out of that recruitment mindset for a few hours. Come, How hard is that? Really hard. Really hard. Like, I mean, people How good just, are you at that right now? <laughs> bad. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still bad at that. I think, yeah. um, you know, I think anyone who's really serious about their career does play on their mind after, after hours, but like, I'm still, I'm still very bad at it. Um, and it's because I probably, you know, if I look at my own skill set, one of my weakest points is time management. So I'll often work hard all day, but not necessarily generate the outputs that I need to. And that's what creates the problem. You know, it's, it's nothing to do with the actual job. It's just the fact that I'm not doing what I should be doing each day to make sure that my mind is at ease when I leave. And I, I, I literally think it's as simple as having, you know, four or five key goals for the day. Four or five key goals. Make sure you get them done and then move on. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that is, that's just about it uh, for my questions. I suppose we just want to kind of find out what's, what's going on at the moment with, uh, with your business in Dublin. What, what are you hiring for? Where can people find you if, uh, if they want to reach out to you? Sure. So, um, so as a business, we're growing um, internationally as well. So we've got 11 offices globally, but about 140 staff or so um, across three niche brands. But we're hiring in all locations across Asia Pac um, and in Europe. In Dublin here, we're looking to hire people who want to enter the industry for the first time, as well as experienced recruiters. Um, so you can find us at, uh, on, our, on, our, on our website at andersonpartnership.com. And if you have any interest in joining a business that's continuing to grow, uh, you know, we'd certainly be keen to speak to people. All right. Brilliant, Dara. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great story. And uh, for, thank you for sharing your journey with us. No problem. Thanks for having me on. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app free for iOS and Android.